Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share. We are having this year on time, 9 o'clock. Um, Baruch Hashem. Shir Lil Nishmas, Befraim, Rebchanan Yom Tavlipa, Shmuel, Yaakov, and Misha. Jeanette Bas Evraim Akoyen, Dorit Bas Moshe Levi, Chaim Ben Baruch. But the main dedication, of course, tonight again, as we are Erlich of Bez Tammuz, is dedication to the Yisrael Ben Pinchas, my grandfather, Elva Sholem, whose yard said is tonight. We got a request uh, last week if we could speak a little bit about Pirkei Avos as well. Now, Minig Yisrael should wait till he comes online before we do it. During the three weeks, though, we do learn Hilchas Beis Habachira. Which are the laws connected to the building of the Beis Hamikdash may be rebuilt very speedily in our days, due to, of course, the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash that we are mourning throughout these three weeks, starting, of course, with Shiva Asabatamuz, which I neglected to speak about last week, although I said I would try. Shivas B'Tamuz was on Shabbos, though the seventeenth day of Tammuz was on Shabbos, and of course we can't, we don't fast on Shabbos in that case, and therefore the fast was on Sunday. Tishabav in turn, which is three weeks later, will also be on Shabbos, and then Hashem, we'll be out of Golos, so we will not have to fast ever again by that point. We just learned, therefore, the Hilchas Beis HaBechira. Hilchas Beis HaBechira, as you know, if you've listened to the classes in the past, Hilchas Beis HaBechira has three different su- subject matters. One is the Navi Yecheskel, which is the prophecy which he has given and shown the third Beis HaMikdash, the third temple. Second is the learn- oh, welcome. Second, we learn Shnayis um, Midas, which is the Mishnah that explains all about the second Beis Hamikdash, all the measurements and all the things that the ongoings. And thirdly, is Hilchas Beis Habachira in the Rambam, which is a mix and has mention of this Beis Hamikdash and that Beis Hamikdash, etc. The Rambam being Halachiyah, the Chazaka, obviously is going to discuss what's pertinent to us, which in will be the third base Hamikdash, based on what was in the second. Not to downplay, of course, we have a Parsha the Shabbos, <laughs> which is Parsha's Pinchas. The Shabbos also Shabbos Mevarchim, 
Chedish Menachem Ov. So, a lot going on. It is the second Shabbos of the three Shabbosim in the three weeks. Okay, now that Scranton joined. So we had mentioned about discussing a Mishnah in Pirkeavis. Pirkeavis is studied on the weeks between Pesach and Shavuos. Six weeks between, therefore each Shabbos we study one Perik of Pirkeavis. However, because Pirkeavis are called Milsa the Chasidusa, words of Chasidus, which gives us a general uh, behavioral consensus, teaches us how to act, teaches us how to behave, how to live morally, and unfortunately, people feel in the summertime a little lax in their mitzvahs, little lax in their modesty, their tznius. And therefore it's important that we learn the, the Mishnah of Pichyavis throughout the summer, says the Rebbe. And since this past Shabbos we finished the cycle of Pichyavis, and this coming Shabbos will be starting again, which will be Perik Aleph. So Imyat Hashem hopefully will be able to fulfill that request as well of discussing a Mishnah in Pichyavis. Pinchas. <coughs> the first thing we need to know, and we've said this before, we discussed it before, it's a very comical issue actually. The boys that learn, the Mitzvah boys that learn in Kriya, and they start to learn how to lane. And they start to learn how to lane, and it's a nice thing actually. Um, the Rebbe was not exactly 100% pro because the Rebbe felt that the boy should be devoting his time to other things first of all and second of all most importantly Kriyas HaTeda the reading of HaTeda is not just the pleasant voice or the good ivra or whatever it might be that the Bermitzvah could produce. <coughs> Sorry. Kriya Satera has a lot, a lot involved. Dikduk, pronunciation, um, putting the accent on the right syllable for one, and then there's the notes, the karate, the trap, as they are called. And therefore, all this needs to be put together, needs to be done right. However, the Bar Mitzvah boys that start learning in this, the first cycle, they're going through each parasha, each, fi- 
At least they lay in Monday, Thursday, the Shabbos Mincha. Reverse, Shabbos Mincha, Monday and Thursday. They come to a little oomph over here in this parsha, where the Pasik says, when it's, as Brisi Shalom, it says, Lachet Emer Hinini Nesnele is Brisi Shalom. The word Shalom has a Vav in it that's cut. It's called a Vav Ktia. And it's done on purpose. It needs to be there. However, generally, if you're looking it up, it's chapter 25, verse 12. Chafei Yud Beis. However, generally, any letter in the Teda that's broken, that's cut in the middle somewhere, is puzzle. And deems the Sefer Teda puzzle. This Vav Katiya is the way it's supposed to be written. And there's many different Mephashim on it. Because it's supposed to be Shlim or whatever, but all the different reasons for it. And you see all the Mitzvah boys that get overzealous, because after all, Pinchas was a zealot. And they come running and screaming, Oh, the Sefer Torah is possible, Hasmael. Possible! They make the Sefer Torah possible. And they're, of course, not allowed to. Only a Rav made a Rav is allowed to say a Sefer Torah, a Psak on a Sefer Torah. Pinchas ben Alozah ben Armakein, Heshivetz Hamosim al b'nei Yisrael, b'kanez kinasi v'seichem, v'leichlisiz b'nei Yisrael b'kinasi. Pinchas, son of Elazar, son of Arnakein, turned my anger away from B'nai Yisrael, and he zealously avenged me among them, so I did not destroy B'nai Yisrael because of my zeal. Hakadosh Baruch was not happy with the ongoings at the end of last week's Pasha with Zimri ben Salva. I want to take a moment to discuss a topic which might be a little bit of a sensitive issue, but it's relevant and it's from this parsha last week's. The concept of credibility. What is the credibility. When we go and we buy a stock, we buy a, a, a into something, we want to know what's the credibility behind it. How credible is this investment? How credible is this sentence that a person just said? Is it a fact that this person, what the person has just stated? We want to know the credibility behind something. Ironically, a person can ruin their entire reputation of credibility with one, one sentence. With one sentence. And what they actually are doing is they're moving away from consistency. A person needs to be consistent. And we've said this several times. Chacham, the, the, the Tanoim, the Amaroim, they were consistent. They always went what's called Lishit Tosom. According to their 
mind frame, according to their track. And we've said numerous times, but it's worth repeating always, where we mention Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai says, if it was up to me, I would make the whole world, I would exonerate the whole world from any kind of punishment. <coughs> How? What does that mean? And we see a machlekes in Shabbos. Shnayim shasu Two people did a melacha on Shabbos. One of the lamed test melachas. But neither of them could have done it alone. They did a joint effort. There's a halacha. One may not carry from one domain to the next. From the private domain to public or vice versa. And there was a piano in a house. And the two people decided let us take out this piano on Shabbos. They're carrying it from the private domain to the public domain. However, neither of them could have done it alone. This one could not do it, and this one could not do it. So there's a machlek in the Gemara. What is the din? And the ultimate psak is they're both chayiv, they both need to be punished for it. However, the opinion that says they are potter is the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon says potter. And we learn that this Rabbi Shimon is Rabbi Shimon by Yechai. So Rabbi Shimon by Yechai says, that if two people do a malacha and neither of them was able, capable of doing it on their own, they are potter. And this is consistent with everything that he holds. And therefore, what does he say? There's a neshama and there's a guf. There's a soul and a body. The body, as we know, is created from dirt, from earth. The soul is a part of God Himself. When they come and they say the body is culpable of doing an Aveda, body says, who, me? I'm earth. I can't do anything my own. So they run to the, what, the life source of this body, which was the Neshama, and they say to the Neshama, you need to pay for this sin. And then Hashem says, Who, me? I am part of God. I am not shaykh to sin. I am not capable of sinning. So what do we have here now? We'll use the whole audience as a bezin, as a court. We have zayni yachl, v'zayni yachl. The Neshama can't do an Aveda because he's part of God. The Guf can't do an Aveda because he's only earth. So Zayn Yachov, Zayn Yachol should be Potter according to Reb Shimon. And therefore, 
As Reb Shimon says, I need because since my shita is if zayn yochel zayn yochel is potter, then so too will stand true with the neshama and the guf, and therefore nobody would ever be culpable of any kind of din. So this is consistency, and by one being consistent, they have they build their credibility. When people see this person is consistent, then they give them credence. This is a fundamental concept in Chinuch, in education. Consistency. You have sometimes an educator, a parent, a teacher, who are wishy-washy, as we say. Sometimes they allow you to do this, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they let you talk like this, and sometimes they don't. So when they allow it, they just ignore it and let you get away with it. And when they're in the mood of not allowing it, they punish you so severely you have no idea where it came from. This lack of consistency loses all credibility. Sorry. You just ain't got it. Now there's also a case where a person can present something and the person is a phenomenal orator and a very well-learned person. But the subject matter which he is discussing is out of his league. Her league. And therefore, it doesn't come across to the people. And people say, who are you to discuss this? If you want to discuss A, B, C, D, E, you're brilliant, and we know it, and we're going to hear you out. But this is a field which is totally foreign to you. You have no business speaking on this. You have no business voicing your voice or opinion. And therefore, if you lose your credibility in that fall, in that case, then you lose your credibility across the board. It's not you don't have credibility for this subject, you no longer have any credibility in my books. Two cases come about at the end of Pasha's Bolok and in the middle of Pasha's Pinchas. One such case is the case of Zimri ben Solo. Zimri ben Solo, as we might know if you learned last week's Pasha, was sinning with a non-Jewish woman. And they asked, Moshe, Aaron, what do we do with him? What do we do? They didn't answer. They asked the Zakanim, and they didn't answer. But this is a horrific, horrific Hashem that was going on. Horrific desecration of God's name. That a prince of one of the Shvatim was living with a Shiksa, with a non-Jewish woman. 
the zealot. Pinchas steps forward and spears them and kills them both. He was a low man on the totem pole here. As we'll soon hear, he wasn't definitely not Moshe, nor Aaron for that matter. But he comes and jumps into this. But they asked Moshe, what should be done? And he did not answer. Later, we hear the story of the daughters of Tzalafchad. The Jewish, the, whole, the Holy Land is being divided. Tzalafchad had no sons, he only had daughters. Five, to be exact. And the five girls come to Moshe Rabbeinu. And they confront him and they say, Lama Yigora, why should our father's land be different than anyone else? Why are we not inheriting our father? To which Moshe was silent. He didn't answer. He forgot the din. According to some, yes, according to some, no. Bottom line, he didn't know the din. Bottom line, he didn't paskin. Why is Moshe refraining from giving a psach halacha in the case of Zimri and in the case of the Bnei Tzalafchad? The answer, my friend, was to protect the entire Tera. To protect the integrity of Tera. This is very humbling, and Moshe had no problem being humbled, but this is extremely humbling. You come to the man that spent 40 40 days, 40 nights, with God himself, studying this Tera, mastering the Tera, and we ask you a psak, two times, the Salma, as if he didn't know it. Why? And the answer is exactly what we're discussing here. With Zimri, if Moshe would say, you took a non-Jewish woman for a wife, you need to be killed. And that's carte blanche to halacha. What would Zimri tell Moshe? Who did you marry? Who did you marry? The daughter of Yisrael? Seriously? She was Megayah. She was this, she was that. Everything that had to be taken care of, Moshe took care of. But the noise would be out there saying, Moshe, you yourself are culpable of just this sin. And therefore, by declaring that one needs to be put to death, Rahman al-Tzlan, for this sin, where do you fit in the picture? The truth is, I did it the right way, Moshe. Moshe turns around and says, I did it the right way. Chas v'shalom that I deviate right or left when it came to Tera. 
But the fact is, the noise that's being made is that Moshe is di- culpable of the same thing and he's going to kill Zimri and walk away scot-free and not take responsibility for his wrongdoing. And thereby making him what the people would call today a hypocrite. A hypocrite, therefore, has no credibility. If he loses his credibility on this, he loses credibility across the board, which would wipe out the entire Teda. And the same is with the Benay Slavchad. If Meisha turns around and says, Neh! You don't get anything. Or even if he does say, you do get. Meisha, you're not getting. You're not going into Eretz Yisrael. Who are you to mix into this halacha? Again attacking his credibility. Again attacking his essence. And therefore, Meisha refrains. This Alma, it disappears from him. That's one point that he was not going to so, but it's even deeper than that. The daughters of Tzlovchad come forth and they say, our father died, Avinu Mace. But they don't say how. But they do say one thing, he didn't die. He did not die with the Kairach. He was not involved in that shenanigan. So now when Moshe would paskin that they should get the land, what will everybody say? Ah, you mentioned Kairach. That's why you're saying it. He wasn't part of Kairach's crew. So that's why you're giving them the land. Because Kairach was your arch enemy. So again, it would attack Moshe's credibility. Which would once again attack Kala Teira Kula, the entire Teira. So therefore Moshe was very, very careful. And he knew where not to step. Bear in mind, my friends, we're not talking about some professor in college. We're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. A cup of cold water. Moshe Rabbeinu. But people do not deviate. People do not differentiate. You were inconsistent. If you are inconsistent, your goose is cooked. I don't care if you're a Moshe, if you're an Aaron, doesn't matter to me. So therefore, 
Moshe held back from paskening these shaylas. Therefore, we went into this whole half hour now of credibility. <laughs> wow. Rabbi, you go off on a tangent, you get lost. <coughs> fellow that was uh, in the middle of a conversation. They were eating spaghetti and meatballs. And he takes up the spaghetti and he starts sucking it in. Sucking it in. And he says, we're in the middle of talking. And he's he can't stop because it's just one long spaghetti. And that's pretty much what just sidetracked me here. When the story of Zimri breaks, nobody knew what to do, as he said. Pinchas, the youngest of the entire crew, took the initiative and did what he did. He said, didn't we learn this on Sinai? This halacha, kanoim poigim boy, that kanoim, people that are zealots, need to step forth, we of course don't mean every Meshigana decides he becomes a zealot. We don't mean every lunatic that feels that he's got a, 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 a power to a keyboard and can put something up on a web or anything like that. I'm talking about pure tzaddikim. But pure tzaddikim, there are zealots. Can know him. So this halacha is a, what's called and made reference to sorry, the, the concept this concept of Kanayim Pagan Bay, as if keeping score at home, is Sanhedrin in Pebezim and Aleph, 82, side 1. But there's another concept which we learn in two different places in Shas, if you keep his score at home. In Erevin, Zion and Aleph, seven side one. And in Bea, Chavches, side two, Amid Beis, 28, side two. And that is Halacha, Ve'ein Moirin King. Yes, it's the Halacha, but we don't pass it. If Pinchas would have asked, can I go kill Zimri for what he's doing? Simple answer? Negative. No, may not. Since this Bez does not have a shush to go past in death, a death penalty. But he didn't ask. He saw this desecration of God's name. He jumped and took it in his own hands. He did the right thing. But nobody asked you, and you didn't ask anybody permission. And we learned from this 
sometimes a burning situation going on. And the elders of the city, the elders of the town, the elders of the nation don't mention it. Don't involve themselves. For whatever given reasons. For in order for Pinchas to be able to get the Kahuna, become the Kayan. This situation awaits for this zealot to rise up so that he can go with Mesiris Nefesh. Although he did not get this directive. There is an opinion because we say that Pinchas ultimately becomes Aliyah Navi. There is an opinion that Pinchas dies. When he kills Zimri, Zimri had followers. He was the head of a tribe. The people attacked Pinchas and killed him. And the neshama that came back into his body was that of Leo. So when you go do something that's not per directive of the G'dayli Yisrael, although there's a danger in it, it's stepping on raw territory. But sometimes one needs to sacrifice, be ready to sacrifice this world, the world to come, to do the right thing. And we're not talking about just exposing something. Talking about an open chil Hashem and putting it to rest, stopping it. I can't even cite an example. And therefore we need to remember well that in such, even in such a situation we need to go according to Das Teda. Even in the case of Pinchas, even though it's Halacha ve'en made in Cain, but Kanoyim Pagan Bay is a Halacha in Teda. The Teda itself, although they are Kanayim Pagan Bay, although the Zealots go out there, it's Halacha ve'en made in Cain. Bezin does not give up sack. The Friedrich Rebbe said the world is on fire. The world is on fire. We look around us, there are hundreds of thousands of non-affiliated Jews, brothers and sisters that are not practicing Yiddishkeit. Or that totally disconnect themselves from it. That's not a time to sit and to think and to negotiate and to figure out who's responsible, to figure out who needs to help these people, who needs to bring these people into the fold, who needs to be. 
and stop pointing fingers. But rather, if you see it, see something, say something. You see a Yid, that you don't know if he put on film that day. Say, my brother, did you put on film today? And he looks at you and says, who are you to ask me? Your answer, I'm your brother. I'm your brother. I'm not asking you because I'm looking to score brownie points. I'm not asking in a contest. I'm not asking in a, a do or dare. I'm asking because I'm concerned. I'm concerned of your welfare. I'm concerned that you do what you need to to connect to God. There's no time to go to a Rav and say, Rav, should I ask this fellow, should he put on film? You need to act. And this, every Jew needs to be a zealot. For Torah and for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to go out and save each and every Jew to put out those fires and to kindle the fires of the Jewish hearts and then we merit to Pinchas is Elio what is Elio? Elio is the Mavaset Tev and he's going to come and let us know the arrival of Mashiach is imminent it's a very interesting statement Pinchas Zelio. Pinchas that we mention here, Zelio was Elio. The question becomes is the opposite. Is the opposite. Elio was Pinchas. Pinchas is in the Torah, Elio is in the Prophets. He's way after him. Who's Elio? As we just mentioned, Elio is the one that's going to bring the news of the redemption, of the imminent redemption. What is the connection of Elio to this notification? The difference between Moshe and Eliyahu. Moshe Rabbeinu was born from parents. When he was born, the entire house filled up with light. But his physical body remained a body. And although he went 40 days and 40 nights, three times consecutively, without eat or drink up in heaven... He remained a physical body, nonetheless. And therefore, although we're not sure where, but in Har Navoy, Moshe Rabbeinu was buried. Mashenkin of the Yohanavi, Chelio is Gematria Ban. He purified and elevated his physical body to such an extent. Allah b'sara yav 
it went up in the chariot, in the fire, whatever it was, to heaven as a body. So if someone wants to take you for a tour in Israel, and they want to take you to the caver of Eliyahu, don't go. They could take you to the spot where it says they think they th- that Elisha saw Eliyahu go up to heaven maybe, but they definitely did not find the caver of Eliyahu. But that same tour guide that's going to take you to the caver of Eliyahu will probably take you to Shmuel Aleph and Shmuel Bez. which are only the way the Sfarim are marked. But there, there was no Shmuel Aleph or Shmuel Be'ez. This is therefore tied in with Gula Hasida, the future Gula, which the concept is Verol Chobosar, that all physical people will see the Gedusha to such an extent that their bodies will become holy. And they will see godliness. And this is where it starts, like he explains elsewhere. Immediately after Matan Teda, they could have gone into Israel through Mesha. But certain things came about. Same thing, Pinchas was given the Kuhuna. At that point as well, could have gone straight into Israel through Yeshua and for and perpetual. Which before this the Indian of Pinchas Eliyahu Vasagula. but Leizachu we did not merit to this until so much so that today is day and age everything is completed. And the reason that Pinchas Elio is because Elio at the time was a Malach. And this Malach came into the body, as we said before, of Pinchas. And therefore, this Pinchas Elio was the Malach Elio. And this Elio, like we said, and he will tell us, Bias Mashiach Tzitkinu. This hour is an hour. Basak tells us in our parsha, chapter twenty-seven, verse eighteen, Hashem El Hashem says to Meisha, as Yeshua ben Nun. Take Yeshua ben Nun. Ish asheruach bei. Person that has the spirit on him. V'samachta es yadcha olav. Place your hand upon him. And this is ultimately giving over the baton. Way back in 1857, the Rebbe Rashab became very ill. And the doctors could not put a handle, could not get a handle on what was going on. So the Rebbe and his wife, Shtanasara, <coughs> left Lubavitch. 
and traveled across to Moscow, due east, hoping that there they'll find specialists that can take care of him. Once again, the doctor checked the Rebbe, a big doctor. He raised his hands and said, I can't do anything. So the Rebbe and the Rebbe left back to their hotel. When they got to the room, the Rebbe said, Professor says, there's no solution. I'm thinking of moving to Israel. So the Rebetzin says, and what's going to be with the Chassidim? How are you going to leave them without a shepherd? And the Rebbe said, my son, Yosef Yitzchak, he's here. Yosef Yitzchak at the time was 17 years old. But the Rebetzin was relentless and she would not let him move. And ultimately he lived for many years thereafter in the Babich. Chapter 27, Pasuk Chaf Aleph 21. I'm sorry, so this is explaining how Yeshua was being given over the baton. Pasuk Chaf Aleph and the Flea Lazar Akein Yamid, Vishal Levi Mishpat Urim. Ask him. And what goes on with Urim Tum? Fnei Hashem. Al piv yetsu, al piv yaveu. Hu v'chol Yisrael, b'nei Yisrael, itay v'chol ha'edah. He and the entire nation that's with him. One of the Tzemach Tzedek's sons had perched the house and was making a Chanukah Sabayas. So all his brothers were there. They were all together. And they were waiting for the father, the tzaddik of Tzemach Tzedek. And they were telling each other stories, miracles of the Baal Shem Tov. Obviously the new book just came out at that time. Yeah, it's 250 years ago. With them. Anyway, um, they're telling stories. And there was one story that really didn't, they couldn't tell if it's a story, if it's real or not. As they were discussing it, the Rebbe walked in. And they asked him, is it true or not? And he answered, you can believe every story of the Vashem He didn't have time to just push away, to just desecrate miracles. And there's three such miracles that I himself shocked about. And I'll tell you one of them. One of the Chassidim Bashamtiv was a nice, formidable person, but unfortunately was not blessed with children. After ten years, he came to the Samachedek and said, Halacha, ten years, no children, should I divorce my wife? And the Samachedek said, no. Wait ten years. And he waited the second ten years. And again the Bashem would not let him divorce. Time was ticking. The clock was ticking. He feared another ten years the woman would no longer be childbearing 
And he'd remain without a child. So he went anyway, even though the Rebbe told him not to divorce, and he divorced his wife and married another one. Immediately problems started. He lost his fortune. He and his wife fell very ill. It was terrible. Chassid came running to the Rebbe and said, Rebbe, what happened? I waited the first ten years, like you said. I was scared to wait another ten years. So therefore I deserve to be tortured and punished like this. And the Bashem took out a safe potato from his closet. And he showed the Chassid the letters in the potato that made up his name and his wife's name. And the next word after that was Le'i Goresh. Do not divorce. How can I advise you to divorce if the tater says not to divorce? And Samar Tzedek finishes the story and says to show each and every person how the Bashem knew and did with, for, and everyone. Very quickly, one more Bashem story. So we change back to the topics, the Pirkei and the Hilchus Beis Abkhira. Vashem once traveled. Sorry, story goes back. A Jew came to the Bunam, and he told the Bunam, "I fasted for so many days." I didn't get to see Eliyahu Hanavi. I want to see Eliyahu Hanavi. And the Rebbe answered, I'll tell you a story. And he tells him a story of the Bashem Tov. How the Bashem Tov used to always go on a journey. And they saw the horses had certain stops they used to make. And this journey... There was no stops being made. So one horse said to the other one, maybe we're like people. We'll just go to a hotel. And they kept going. And they weren't getting fed either. Said maybe we're angels. We don't have to eat either. But then they came to a field. And they stopped and they rested there and they saw the grass. They jumped like animals and started grabbing the grass. Quickly to discover they were neither angels nor people. So the guy says to him, he says, Rabbi, what does it have to do with me? With my revelation of Elio. So he told him, my friend, you sat and fasted. You fasted so that you should see the revelation of Eliyahu Navi. But at the end of the day when you ate and you broke your fast, you broke it like a... So you're no longer a tzaddik. You were not even a person. You were like the animal jumping on the grass. <coughs> so therefore... Eliyahu Navi was not revealing to you.
there's another story that Hashem is going to leave out. Pirkiyav is Pirik Aleph Mishnevov. Yeshua ben Prachia v'nitayar beili kiblu mehem. Both Yeshua ben Prachia and Nitayar beili accepted from them from the Yisraelim Yisraelim and others. Yeshua ben Prachia aimer though, asay lechorav, make yourself a rav, kenei lechachaver, purchase for yourself a friend. Vehavidon is kolodim lekavshus. And judge everyone favorably. A person naturally has avas atzmai. They love themselves. It's a self-bias. And therefore, we need to find actually divine div- connections. How do we do that? By taking an objective third party and discussing with the objective third party the situation. This is known as Das Teda. Something that we don't even realize how important it is to us and how connected we have to be with it. We don't realize how much it does for us. When we go to Das Teda, we discuss with Das Teda, and although it's something that the Rav told you that sounds totally abstract, might even sound like it doesn't make sense to you, but if you go according to the Rav's words, because that is the Das Teda, that's how things work out. Asay could also mean provide. It also can mean force. Sometimes, as we said before, our avasatsmai, our self-love, doesn't let us accept what the Rav has to say. And you say, I hear what you're saying, but I think I might have a better understanding. Tells us the Mishnah, as say the Harab, force it upon yourself to take the words of the Rav to the umpteenth level. This is what he said. It becomes word of God. There's different ways of getting a friend. Being natural, which sometimes doesn't work, or actually going out there and buying a friend. But this too is not just for a friend, but rather for somebody that's going to help you along. Hashem. And ultimately, Don Kaladan the Kafskus. Person doesn't look like he's worthy. He doesn't seem worthy to this.
Shubham Prachi was this type of person. As we said before, he kept his credibility, his credence, because he acted exactly this way. In Yeshua's own life, Gemara tells us, if you keep his score at home, it's Gemara Sanhedrin, Kuvzayin Amit Beis. The Gemara tells us that a person from Nazareth was ultimately one of Yeshua's students. And even after that person from Nazareth forsake Jewish observance, if Yeshua tried to get him to do tshuva. And he refused and he said, I received following tradition from you. Person who sins and causes others to sin, cannot do tshuva. And although Rabbi Yeshua knew that and Yitzhaka stated that, he still reached out and tried to get this fellow from Nazareth to do tshuva. Because this is Don Kaladam the Kapschus. Very briefly, in Pasuk at least, in Yecheskel, and a, a word of a Mishnah, Yecheskel begins in chapter 40, Perik Mem. Yecheskel Anovi, apparently this is all in a dream. It's not a dream, but it's a Nevoa. And in Perik Mem, Pasik Dalit, it says, Yaish. The person said to me, the person who was not a person, was an angel. But he tells him, Ben Adam, he's an Ish, this person. And he, Yecheskel, was only a Ben Adam. And I've said this before. See with your eyes and hear with your ears. And put, place, take to your heart everything that I'm about to show you. For showing because this is what I brought you here to show others. Tell everything that you see to base Yisrael. Let Klal Yisrael know that there is a third base Hamikdash. There is one that's going, that's already standing, and that's ready to be built, ready to come down into the world for the Eden to once again serve. And this is something that again he is telling him as Pinchas Elio, telling him how he needs to notify the world and give them the good news. Perik Aleph Midas Mishnah Beis Ish Harabayis Hayam Machzir Akol Mishmar Mishmar Ish Harabayis. He was called an Ish, but he was the man that ran around the whole Harabayis, the whole Temple Mount, between all the different shifts. And Vavukas Delkin the front of him, there was torches in front of him. Chal Mishmar Sheni Aimed. Anyone who didn't stand up for him, Aimed, they said to him, Ish Harabayis Shalom Alecha. He told them, Hello, Shalom. If if they saw he was sleeping, they beat him with a stick. And not only that, they even had a shus to set him on fire. And so was it when the voice, when screaming was heard in the Temple Mount. They said, "What is it?" And they said, "It's a person that fell asleep on his guard and is being burned." This is again a little bit drastic. 
but it's showing us that the extent one needs to do Torah mitzvahs. They built it with big stones. If they didn't find the Avanim stones, they built with the You did not break, you did not crack any kind of stones on Harabayas. This was all done off of Harabayas, and obviously not with metal, because they're not allowed to be touched with metal. And maybe we zeicha to see taka the binyan beis hamikdash. This Shabbos, as we come closer to the next Shabbos, which is Chazayin Shabbos of Arachim Chaydish of. We went overtime. Shabbat shalom to all.